Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. college football podcast in nashville tennessee for the first time in 2020 i'm the professor matt perkins and a slant and go across the harpeth river from me here in the music city it's our own offensive coordinator the coach Corey burton well just want to say a very belated uh what is it 12 days belated uh happy new year something like that guys um it was a interesting holiday to be to be exact, but a lot of stuff happened with bowls and coaching hires and uh, the such. Uh, the NFL's actually been exciting uh, this playoff run too. So um, got a lot to talk about. Obviously not going to talk about the NFL at all, but um, I'm excited to be back with you guys. I'm excited for another year with the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So uh, find us, download us, listen, enjoy. And uh, hopefully we don't bury the lead too much in the new year. Well, it's hard to bury the lead. That's the third amigo in the second city. A man who is a cart narc. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. <laughs> yeah, I recently discovered that YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I have a different little uh, internet nugget for you guys. Well, Go start on. the show with something totally unrelated to college football in any way. Uh, have you guys heard about the Florida man meme that's been going around? Obviously. I've been, you following, do... I've been following Florida man on Twitter for years and years. But no, this is one where you Google okay. Florida man and then your birth date. I want you guys, and then you just do like the first hit that comes up. While you guys are doing that, I'll read you what came up for mine when I looked at this earlier today. <clears throat> Florida man arrested after pelting girlfriend with McDonald's sweet and sour packets. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, my girlfriend also had a phenomenal one. Hers, I think, was even better than mine. Florida man says pipe bombs weren't meant to hurt anybody. Uh, Josh, <laughs> unfortunately, I have to bleep mine out because uh, we are a family-friendly podcast here. <laughs> that's fine. Um, Florida man caught bleeping at water treatment plant. Oh, <laughs> Now, I'm going to leave that to your imagination because it could be multiple things, and it's probably not what you're thinking. I, I'm picturing a number two. Nope. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Florida man who spat on MAGA hat wearing bar patron gets 90 days in jail. <laughs> there we go. So just usual occurrences, common oh, things at here one of go. our states. <laughs> Florida man attempts to steal golf balls, beats golfer, deputy say. <laughs> he just wanted to play a quick nine can't really blame him. <laughs> you cannot you cannot well anyway before we get to the big matchup between lsu and clemson there was another division one national title at stake 
down in Frisco, Texas yesterday, January 11th, where the Bison of North Dakota State uh, came into the game actually as underdogs in Vegas, still managed to win 28-20 to to secure what seems like their 32nd consecutive national title, <laughs> Josh. Uh, this one, though, uh, quite a matchup throughout uh, the big difference uh, here. Uh, in Josh was what? Well, it was a great game. Um, James Madison played their butts off, and it was the game that we all wanted. Um, sometimes chalk is fun. Sometimes chalk is boring. This year, though, um, I just think James Madison, North Dakota State, were so head and shoulders above their peers that it was a game that really all football fans wanted to see. And, and the big difference came down to North Dakota State just had a phenomenal rushing attack. All year long, it keyed their team, and their strength brought them victory here again. 45 rushing attempts, 280 yards on the ground. That's pretty impressive. Uh, They were keyed by their starting running back there, uh, Trey Lance. Excuse me, sorry, quarterback uh, Trey Lance, uh, who had 133 or 166 yards, excuse me, on the ground. you know, it, it just you would have had to play almost a flawless game, and James Madison lost the turnover margin only by one, but they did lose it. They had a little bit more penalty yards, and they couldn't stop the running at all. So the right team won, but James Madison is uh, – I think they're going to win another one soon. I know they're the only team that's broken through this North Dakota State dynasty. I think the Dukes have the program to win another one sooner rather than later. Coach, what really impressed me here was the fact that James James Madison uh, ran seventy eight plays, twenty three more than North Dakota State, yet still were outscored. I don't I don't really know what that says about their offense. Like we're averaging less than five yards per play, um, not as much as they usually do during the season. So. Um, I mean, Coach, what is your biggest takeaway from this one? Well, I mean, that stat you just threw out. I mean, how can you have 76 plays, only 20 points? Uh, but I do like the resolve that James Madison showed, even though their uh, comeback attempt, they uh, they fell short. But um, I, I was really kind of impressed with, with the Dukes and uh, first-year coach Kurt Signetti. Um they uh, they came out 17 plays, 86 yards on their uh, on their first drive, um, and uh, that really kind of said, "Hey, we're 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 sticking around. We're we're not going anywhere." And this wasn't going to be an easy cakewalk for North Dakota State. Uh, for the Bison, um, they are eight for eight uh, for championships one when making it go from Fargo to Frisco. So basically, when they've had. Uh, home field advantage throughout um, they have been able to uh, to win so they have their eighth appearance matched the most with Georgia Southern which won six of their title games uh, they only two division one winning streaks longer than them are Washington um, 40 from 1908 to, to 1914 wait 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 in Oklahoma from 53 to 57 that's correct. I was just All about right. to say that. Yes, um, that was that was next. I was rolling off my tongue. So um, I'm I was very impressed with both teams. Uh, not really surprised that either one of them ended up in this situation. I think we kind of knew 
these were, even though they were going to be challenged at points throughout the playoffs, these were the two premier FCS programs. And uh, it showed, and, and it was a very entertaining, good, uh, tough contest in the snow in Frisco, Texas. All right. Well, uh, the other national title game will take place tomorrow night, or by the time you're hearing this, probably this evening, uh, down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, We all know what's coming up. Undefeated Clemson, reigning national title, uh, reigning national champs, I should say. How many have they won in a row, Coach? Like 29, I want to say, give or take. Yeah, 29 29 in a row, 15 and 0 last year, 14 and 0 this year. Yeah. Um, versus LSU, Joe Burrow, who has had one of the singular greatest seasons that a player at the college football level has had, both in terms of individual and team success. Um, this isn't even really a case of um, unstoppable force and immovable object because both of these offenses are, you know, are really clicking right now. So, Coach, I think it's going to come down to the defenses. And – Venables, Aranda, I mean, you've got probably the two best defensive coordinators in the entire country going head-to-head. Well, not really head-to-head, I should say, but um, showing off against each other in the game. Who do you think is going to have a better chance of slowing the other team down? I think Venables is. Uh, I, I think Venables is uh, – I think he's more aggressive, uh, and I think that's kind of what you have to be with LSU. You kind of just have to almost, um, you know, go for broke because they're – probably going to get their yards anyway. Uh, so you might as well uh, get pressure. I think he has a good uh, good feel of tendencies and patterns and things like that and and what the opposing team likes to do uh, for uh, for Clemson once they got settled in against Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State really wasn't able to do a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, I think LSU is a different animal, uh, of course, and both, both defensive coordinators are going to have trouble. But – uh, Brent Venables, um, look for him to have a faster start. Hopefully he'll have a better bead on what uh, Joe Burrow and company like to do. And uh, if they can if they can knock Joe Burrow on his butt a couple times, get pressure, get hits, uh, rushes, throws, even if, even if he completes them, just make him feel the pressure, make him hurry, I think they'll have a decent shot. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just going to all be predicated on that. Josh. I'm struggling to see a way for Clemson to win the game. Um, they really shouldn't have beaten Ohio State. We'll talk about more of that game. This is just our initial reactions. Well, no, um, I, I feel like Josh, a... I feel like, I feel like we, should, we, we should talk about that a little bit yeah. because, okay. you know, it, it, a part of this game is predicated on the result uh, of what happened in the semifinal. And, you know, that was – you know, we haven't been together to talk about that yet. And that was, you know, maybe not the best quote unquote game pl- uh, played, but definitely uh, one of the most uh, intriguing, controversial in its outcome. Well, you figure every call pretty much went against Ohio State. You figure they had a 14 point swing in that a reversed fumble return for a touchdown eventually became a touchdown for Clemson. I'm sorry. Attempting to run up field is a quote unquote football move. It's an awful call. The helmet to helmet. I think the best way to sum it up was a 
person I saw on Twitter that said, how does a six foot one defensive player who is on his knees have a helmet to helmet hit on a six foot four quarterback, unless the quarterback's lowering his own head to initiate the contact. Not a targeting. On top of that, he's six foot six, not six four. Yeah, whatever it is. But yeah, not a targeting. Um, I, I loved also, if we care about the player safety angle of the thing, I love that Trevor Lawrence is down on the ground looks like the burning of Atlanta from the civil war. He's writhing in so much pain and he missed uh, literally not a snap. I didn't realize you could be laying on the ground until you get penalty flags, kind of jog off and then wait for the call and the review and then jog back on the field. I mean, so, the, uh, the, the, the uh, American imperialist in, in me wants to say, yeah, they're playing soccer out there now. But yeah. So uh, well done clubs and medical staff. They must have a concussion tonic that we don't know about. Or he wasn't hit hard enough in the head in any conceivable way. So, yeah, I mean, just it was a horribly officiated game. I'm, I'm um, going with the tonic. Yeah. It was a horribly, horribly officiated game. Uh, good job by the NCAA to have the best and brightest uh, officiating crews here for their three most important games. Um, and look, Clemson, <laughs> Clemson barely won. Uh, it took them a long time for their offense to wake up. If Ohio State had turned those field goals into touchdowns, the game would have been over. And I f- have a feeling LSU, who has been stopped by precisely no one this year, is going to have a hard time being contained to field goals instead of touchdowns. I think the LSU-Clemson game is going to be a – duplicate of the Oklahoma game. I am at first inclined to agree with you, Josh, but I, I, I don't know. Coach, one of the things that, that Dabo Swinney seems to do again and again is he is able to get his guys up for games. I mean, in, in the 11 bowl games that they have been uh, underdogs in, they are, 10 and one against a spread and nine and two outright, um, which is simply astounding. And I, it is so hard to count Venables and the rest of that Clemson squad out coach. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they, for, for a team that's won two out of the last three national championships, they do play the chip on the shoulder. Nobody believes in us card very, very well. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's important that, that, that's an edge that, that they get. It, it definitely is. Um, but I, I think it's uh, – I don't know. This one's going to be tough. This, this is a tough one to call because I think Clemson's good enough um, to hang with LSU. I think they're good enough to do some things uh, to LSU that uh, will give them fits offensively. Um, some stuff that uh, defensively um, that you saw a little bit in the Georgia game that Georgia was able to, to do early on. If Georgia had the offense, it might have been a different game or it might've been a closer game for longer, uh, who knows. Um, but if, uh, if they can move the ball, control the clock a little bit, they do have a shot. Uh, they are every bit as explosive, uh, offensively as LSU. So this could, this thing could turn into a track meet real fast. Um, and it's just going to come down to which defense makes that one big play that gets them over the edge. So, um, I mean, there's, 
there's 20 million different ways you could you could slice and dice this thing um, between the two offenses and between the two defenses. I think these are two very similar teams in the fact that the defenses are pretty good, extremely well coached. I think the offenses are uh, led by top tier, uh, going to be back to back number one overall picks in the uh, in the NFL draft. Burrow. Uh, this year's draft and Trevor Lawrence, when he comes out next year, will probably be the number one overall as well. Uh, you have uh, t- you have two running backs, ETN and Clyde's Edward Clyde Edwards Elaire, uh, both premier running backs. Uh, T Higgins, Justin Ross going up against Justin uh, Jefferson and uh, that whole cast of receivers over there at LSU. Then you have your tight ends, where LSU's got the edge uh, with Thaddeus Moss, but. Um, then, then it comes to uh, then it comes to coaching. So this this is going to be an ultimate, ultimate, ultimate coaching game. And can uh, Dabo motivate his team more than Ed Orgeron? Can the offensive coordinators uh, scheme well? Can they can they take advantage of mistakes? Can the defenses suffocate these quarterbacks and suffocate these offenses and have a good plan? What uh, what's going to be the game plan on all phases of the ball? Can can one of the teams steal a possession? That that I mean, that could be a huge factor too. Special teams. So, a lot of things could happen, um, and I don't really say that much. Uh, but I, I think LSU has the edge. I think they are red hot right now, and um, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, with Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow's special special season is, uh, you know, it, it just seems storybook at this point. I'm I'm sure. I think I even talked about it on a previous show. The uh, uh, tremendous job the LSU uh, athletic department video team did following him into the stadium on Senior Day when he wore that uh, Burrow B U R R E A U X jersey, <laughs> and they they've been they've been promoting him almost like it's this. You know, uh, uh, it, it's like a, a lifetime movie about him in, in a lot of ways. And it, it seems like almost predestined at this point that this LSU team is going to win it. But I just Clemson absolutely terrifies me. So, um, Coach, what uh, what is your final prediction What for the score of this game? And who is going to be the MVP? Okay, final score. I think it's going to be uh, LSU 45, Clemson 38. Your MVP is going to be Joe Burrow, because why not? Who else? And there you go. Josh. I have LSU putting this thing away by about halftime. They ease off the gas a little bit. Clemson makes a few cosmetic scores, but the final score is 45 30 45 30 Joe Burrow MVP and I'm saying like over by halftime like I think it's going to be like 38 10 at halftime so I will openly say that I am rooting for LSU to win um I I want the storybook ending I I don't know I, I I just like all of us do love coach Orgeron feel like this this team is a spectacular special group and it's been awesome to watch them play throughout the year and grow and coming into the season joe burrow you couldn't even get heisman odds 
on Joe Burrow. He was off the board. You couldn't even get get odds on him to win the Heisman. And he he goes and has a, a like I said before a singular, both statistical and emotionally impactful year, uh, as anyone at least in the last decade has had. I think the only real equivalent we've seen is someone like Cam Newton at Auburn. Cam Newton at Auburn is able to finish off, you know, that special season uh, with a national title over Oregon. I foresee LSU finishing off this season with a national title over Clemson, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than we're anticipating. Uh, Maybe even a little bit lower scoring. Uh, I'm going to take LSU to win 34 to 28. Yeah, I mean, let's just run through it logically. Let's break it down in the most simple terms possible. Who's the best offensive player in the game? Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Who's the best defensive player in the game? Derek Singley Jr. Not your boy, the defensive back that you anointed as the greatest of all time? That's Derek Stingley Jr., I thought it was someone else. No, it's Derek Stanley Jr. He's the greatest. He he is the he had the singular greatest freshman season, at least at defensive back, at least he's, since Deion Sanders. He is the truth. The he is the truth. Um, truth. I'm sorry, he is. Like he, you know, he, I don't even like enjoy watching defensive backs play usually. He makes me like watching D backs. <laughs> I don't know who I was thinking of. I thought he had a different name. Did you call him a nickname in our most recent show? I have I've never called him anything else besides Derek Stingley or Derek Stingley Jr. Who's uh, who else is in the b- defensive backfield for LSU? No, um, uh, Grant Delpit. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking. Of. Grant Delpit is their All-American safety, but it might be what I was thinking of. But yeah, I mean, like when you break something down simple like that, it's like it's just clear LSU's the better team and Clemson had a great season playing a bunch of crappy teams and then in the semifinal they got bailed out by two of the most egregious calls since i would say ohio state was gifted a national title against <laughs> miami yeah miami I, I was so funny to see miami fans on, on twitter um because they were absolutely loving it so good on you, Canes fans and Canes Nation. So yeah, that's just sad when, as a team, you have to enjoy a blown call 15 years after it happened. You know what? <laughs> what, what whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever gets you where you need to go. Good on you. Um, before we go tonight, gentlemen, I do want to talk quickly uh, about one of uh, someone who's near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, that is Mike the Pirate Leech. Uh, that ship has uh, set sail from the Palouse and has ended. Uh, it has actually turned in, his pirate ship turned into a riverboat and he's going up to Stark Vegas. And he is going to be the new headman at Mississippi State. Four years, $20 million, and a much larger dedication of resources to uh, assistant coaches and uh, other program operations coach. And that seems like what uh, was sort of the real uh, genesis of 
getting him to make the move, make the jump down to uh, Mississippi State. Yes, I mean it, it's. Uh, I really like the hire uh, for Mississippi State. I think they need uh, somebody that's going to kind of bring something unique to what they uh, to their program. Uh, something that they need uh, desperately. I, I don't think they were uh, ever going to lure. You know, Nick Saban type. So, I mean, whatever whatever dreams they had of that, I guess, um, could uh, could be right out the window. I think Mike Leach is somebody that'll come in, turn the program around. He'll get eight, nine wins. He'll contend. Uh, occasionally, have a ten win season. I think the recruiting base at, at Mississippi State, um, just the radius around campus, is interesting, and and kind of see how that fits with and see how his air raid system kind of fits within the SEC. Um, and we know what it did what did for Kentucky back in the day with Tim Couch and, and that crew. Now we'll see what it's like with uh, with Mike Leach calling the shots, not how mummy. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. A lot of people are dismissing it and saying whatever, you know, seven straight Apple Cups, yada, 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 um, you know, Say what you will. He'll he'll make it exciting. He'll win some games, a few that he shouldn't. Um, I, I don't I don't foresee him making really much noise with uh, Auburn, LSU, and Bama sitting around. But uh, I, I think he will. Uh, I think he'll give those teams fits. I think he'll recruit well, and I think Mississippi State's going to just continue to be what they were under Dan Mullen. Josh, and you know, State fans are happy with that. Yeah, and on top of that, I think, Josh, I want to move to a bit of a more of a bigger picture uh, discussion. We've got three schools in the SEC West, all of which have new head coaches, um, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Uh, We've got, you know, one SEC quote-unquote retread. Uh, We've got one, you know, a, a coach who is definitely in definitely the latter half probably the latter quarter of his career in Mike Leach Mike Leach and then a brand new first time coach uh, uh over at Arkansas uh, of these three teams you know who is going to who is the grass greenest for both in the short term and the long term I think in the short term you got to go with Mississippi State and just to put some numbers on stuff that coach was talking about um, at Texas Tech, Leach won seven, eight, or nine games every year, but one 2008 when they broke through, had an 11-win season, uh, co-champions of the division. Washington State, a little bit harder of a rebuild. He took over a team that I believe had gone about like 9-40, and 40, um, their previous coaching staff. Um, three wins, six wins, three wins, and then nine, eight, nine, eleven back in 2018. Uh, co-champions, no uh, conference title game appearance, and that's six wins this year. So really, really consistent winner. And when you look back at Mississippi State football, um, they have a 10-win season in 2014. They have a 10-win season in 1990. They have a 10-win season in 1940 and no 11-win season. So the they're getting a guy who is going to have them really, really consistent they might break through and manage to win a division title. That's not unprecedented under, under Leach. So I think that's in the short term to answer your question. I think that is a wonderful hire for Mississippi state. Long-term projection. 
if he stays there, which isn't a guarantee just based on his track record, but based on age and knowledge of the game, the 10-year projection for Ole Miss has to feel really good if you're a Rebel fan. Yes, it does. Um, I think, um, you know, just looking at the feedback even with Ole Miss fans and knowing that, hey, we got the upper hand now because Kiffin and whatever, 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 I mean, you can go on and on about Kiffin. Uh, but I think, to be honest with you, if, if you ask my honest opinion, I think Kiffin and Leach are pretty much the same cat, just uh, – you know, slightly different offensive systems, but they're they're kind of the same cat as far as accomplishments go. I think uh, both are really smart. They're both uh, a little rough around the edges. A little rough around the edges, and both will make an interesting press conference, and and both will make Saban want to pull his hair out. So for that alone, it's worth <laughs> its weight in gold. I, I, I'll tell you that. And I think. Days, uh, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, b- before we get there, Josh, have um. Uh, have Leach and uh, Kiff ever been on the same staff? No, I don't no. think so. Okay. Sorry, Josh, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the fan base that has to be wondering what, what the hell just happened and what can we do to become relevant again has to be coming out of Texas A&M. They have Jimbo Fisher, a guy who basically got shipped out of Florida State because he was disinterested and no longer really cared. And it's hard not to see some of those same attributes. Um, He's like three and a half, four years younger than Mike Leach. So not a whole bunch, whole lot different in their age. But I'm pretty sure Mike Leach can recruit the state of Texas just fine. Yeah, he will be just fine. So... A&M has to feel like, wait, what, what just happened? We could have had Mike Leach. He was willing to leave Washington State. We're, we're stuck with Jimbo Fisher, who like seems about as interested in an eight-win season as he does in like a 10-win season. I don't know. He doesn't show like any emotions anymore. Seems like he's just going through the motions. I don't know about Jimbo Fisher. $75 million has made him complacent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to be fair, it wouldn't make me pretty complacent, too. True. Um, True. But, yeah, so the SEC West going to be quite interesting. Coach, are, be, you, are you worried at all? You're, you're our resident SEC fan. Am I worried? No. Um, you know, I think Georgia has its own challenges. Georgia got a new quarterback, Jamie Newman. Yeah, we can talk uh, about Jamie Newman for a minute. I, I've been trying to think of – Comp- and I want I want to look up um, uh, some 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 Jamie Newman stats before uh, we, we talked about him because he's an interesting player. He played he you know he did not play you know he played one game as a freshman, uh, six games as a sophomore in in the backup uh, relief. But this year uh, at Wake Forest, he was you know he was he was pretty he was pretty good uh, about eight yards per attempt. Um, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 361 attempts. I, I'm trying to think of who, who who the equivalent is here. I mean, obviously, with Fromm going to the NFL, he's clearly going to be a one-year stopgap before someone like Carson Beck plays. But it, 
I, I feel like he's a, he might actually be in, in some ways a better fit for some of the things that your coordinator wants to do. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, you, you saw with Fromm, they tried to run the zone read and Fromm never kept it, even though he probably could have. And there's some instances where if he kept it, he's probably still running as slow as he is. Um, you know, you, you watch Jamie Newman's highlights and, and you see that he's a little bit more decisive um, in the RPO game. He throws a really good deep ball, which is something that Jake Fromm seemed like he, other than the back shoulder throw, it seemed like at times he forgot how to throw the deep ball. Um, it just, I don't know. It just seems like um, he's, he's able to slide around the pocket more. I think the biggest thing is the pocket awareness and the pocket movement and, and just the ability to elude pressure. I mean, he's not, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson by any stretch and, and running up and down the field, but he will be able to be involved in the run game. He will be a tough runner to bring down. He will be able to move in the pocket. He will be able to get out on the edges and, and put pressure on, on the defense. And, and it will just, and it will make George a little bit more dynamic just because of what he can do with his legs. Uh, something that Jake Fromm didn't have. Uh, Jake Fromm is, you know, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in Georgia history, but um, it's just, it's just the difference that they that they have. And he might just be kind of, you know, I'm not saying he's – I'm not going to pound the desk and say he's better than Jake Fromm because uh, there's a lot of intangibles that Jake Fromm has that not a lot of quarterbacks have. Um, but Newman gives Georgia's offense another dimension of explosiveness, uncertainty, just another layer of something you have to defend and – and uh, I think that's the, the best case scenario. And he has starting experience. So, you know, you get – you travel to Tuscaloosa, I think, week three. Uh, that's going to be important. Experience is going to be even more important than physical physical attributes. And then, uh, you know, Carson Beck can learn redshirt, play in his four games, and then and then take over next year when, when Newman is, uh, is done done. All right. Well, um... Next time we see you, we will have the championship game in the books. We'll be talking about that and the rest of bowl season. Uh, after that, in the offseason, we will uh, finally give out our full season awards. I think it's important that you factor bowl game performance into uh, who will finally make our all-illegal motion team. Uh, we've got a lot of fun planned for you in the offseason. So even though, uh, you know, Tonight, probably by the time you're listening to this, is the end of the college football season on the field. As you all know, college football never stops, never sleeps. So, uh, Josh, anything you want to add before we uh, we hang up? Yeah, we already talked about the North Dakota State Bison. They're not the only champions that have been crowned in recent weeks. Morningside won their second straight NAIA national title all right congratulations to them uh in a barn burner 48 40 west florida won the division two national title over minnesota state mankato uh west florida football they are the argonauts and their very first season was 2016 they've only had one coach the guy who founded the program basically guy by the name of pete shinnick um, like, I don't know if you're looking for a, a, a random name out there, this is a guy who's done nothing but win down there in uh, lower division football. 
So uh, yeah, good I on him. The guy who was on their uh, semifinal team, uh, I think back in 2018, he was the defensive backs coach. Now he is the defensive coordinator at Finlandia uh, University, which is an, the I official think, university of uh, vodka soda. Yes. Okay. Um, and they're located in the, uh, they are Upers. They're in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So, yeah. And then uh, another one local, local here, North Central out of Naperville, Naperville Illinois. Naperville, oh, yeah. Illinois. They defeated, yeah, they defeated, cool. defeated UW Whitewater. Yeah. For the Division Three national title. They knocked and off then, a heavy Shout hit. out to the Wexler family. Father yeah. and daughter, both professors there. Ooh. And then kind of um, the the de facto one, the Celebration Bowl, um, the de facto national championship of black college football, the MIAC versus the SWAC. Uh, North Carolina A&T Aggies, uh, third title in a row in – how about this for your betting the over? They beat Alcorn State 6444. Uh, in front of 33,000 people that I know love that game. Almost I mean, as good as to... the 67 uh, 63 Washington State UCLA game from earlier this year. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to those programs and those student athletes who worked their butt off to bring Natty's home to their institutions. And uh, Clemson or LSU will join you here about. 24 hours. Yes, they will. All right. Well, uh, with that, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Go Tigers. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.